Okay, right. Ready. Seeing Red the Pod, episode 43, where we always discuss the latest Nebraska issues. I'm Stephanie, and here with me today is April. How's it going, April? It's cold. Oh my gosh. Yeah. My furnace isn't working. I don't know. Your furnace isn't working? No. Girl, it's fine. We're in a bubble. Come to my house. I keep telling you. I'm like, why does it have to be my daughter's birthday in the coldest day of the year? Wait, that's uh, tomorrow. Hopefully, uh, yeah, tomorrow. that's true. Anyway, but I'm, yes. um, I'm still, I, I know there are a lot of people who do not have warm, safe places to be tonight, and so I'm being grateful, even if my safe place is a little chillier than I would like. So, yeah, perspective. What yeah. did you do this weekend, April? Well, um. We are gearing up for Girl Scout cookie season. Yay. That is selling. And um, and I'm buying. Buying is good. Selling is good this year. <laughs> Although, I mean, for the troop, it won't be that great because they really sell a ton at booths mm-hmm. and they're just not doing booths with COVID, which is fine by me. Um, but I've been really impressed with the Girl Scouts and the stuff they've done over quarantine. Um, do you remember this summer, Stephanie, when we got those boxes from the yeah, Girl they Scouts? Did. Yeah, they did. It was fantastic. Like had... two or three giant boxes of activities with all the stuff you needed. And by all the stuff, I mean, if you needed glue, the glue was in there. Yeah. No, they were great. And it was, I think it was four total boxes. Yeah. And, like, um, and then the girls earned patches through it. Yeah. Whatever. The Girl Scouts is a fantastic program. Buy all those cookies, man. And they actually support trans girls and things too Mm -hmm. so they're 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 good they're good um are you ready to bring on our guest she's got a sad story to tell a cautionary tale for schools but are you ready i well i'm not ready but i'm (laughs) i'm excited to meet laura all right we're gonna get the word out so we can maybe stop this train wreck in Mm -hmm. nebraska Our guest today is Laura Fisher, a Nebraska educator and advocate for public schools. She moved here three years ago after working in Kansas, where she witnessed a cautionary tale of how legislators worked to defund schools, cause them to fail, and allow privatization to move in. Welcome, Laura. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being on the pod tonight. I know you're a busy educator also. So taking your Sunday is, is very kind of you. Thank you, <laughs> Thank you. Well, tell us a little bit about your background. You said you're from Nebraska. I grew up in western Nebraska, Gothenburg, Nebraska, actually. My first few years of teaching were in Lincoln. And when I got married, we started moving a lot. We lived in St. Louis for a year and San Diego for about six years. And then Kansas eight years and we moved back home to Nebraska because we're awesome public schools here. When I was, when we were living in San Diego, 
our son was a baby, was born there. And I was substitute teaching because they don't really have art teachers in the schools the way that they do out here. Um, and the funding for public schools in California was really bad, but it was an unintended consequence from the Prop 13 tax laws that um, back in the 1960s, they grandfathered in people's property taxes um, mm. so that older people wouldn't get taxed out of their homes or whatever. But the problem or the unintended consequence was that people will hang, would hang on to their properties. So you, maybe you've heard the story of Warren Buffett has a home in um, Malibu and he only pays like $1,200 a year in taxes on the property because because yeah so wow there's huge budget issues with public schools in California in fact they would anybody with seven any teachers with seven years or less in the system would be pink flipped every year and have to reapply for it was tough and the your elementary schools didn't have like the PE and the music and the art and the specials oh my gosh and because I had grown up in the Midwest and began my teaching career in the Midwest, they knew how awesome our schools were in comparison. And so our son was getting close to kindergarten age when we decided to move to Kansas City because an opportunity for my husband's science career opened up there. And we bought a house in the Overland Park area, which is on the Kansas side of Kansas City. And bought a house within walking distance of a cute school and this was 2009 and if you remember all the things that were going on finding you know <laughs> housing that was another reason we kind of had to leave expensive California but yeah so we bought a house um and within about a year of living there we found out that our school was going to close due to Underfunding our son's school, our neighborhood school that we could walk to. Mm -hmm. um, this was around the time Governor Sam Brownback had been elected in Kansas, and he is one of these people that wants to see the public schools go down. And what he did was pass, pass get um, some tax changes where anyone with an LLC paid zero income tax. So, um, what? <laughs> yes. So at one point, 330,000 Kansans were paying no income tax and oh there's no God. revenue. You know. So that millions and millions and millions of dollars came out of the public schools and, um, you know, they our grocery tax was 10, 10%, things like that. I mean, that disproportionately hurts poor people yeah. and working people. And, um, but that was done intentionally. Um, they want to attract these mega million corporations to come to the state. But the grand plan or the ultimate goal is to slowly defund the public schools. Um, part of that, because public schools are over 50% of a state's budget, it might be more like 65%. So that gets in the way of their wanting, they called it the march to zero. They wanted zero income tax. Well, you know, you can't. Things has to go give if you're going to get all that income tax. <laughs> so it was a disaster. I taught in the Shawnee Mission School District and within with my time there, 
I taught there six years and that time there was $30 million in cuts to our district alone, wow. which led to these huge class sizes. And, well, um, now, and for listeners, like to compare, like we have a big budget shortfall in Nebraska this year. And for comparison, Lincoln Public Schools has a, I believe it's $17 million budget shortfall. And they're trying to cut away from the classroom as much as they can, but it, you know, what 30 million, is, goodness gracious. Yeah. And I teach in Millard here in Omaha and we're a landlocked school, not growing our school district, not growing. So we mm-hmm. have experienced a lot of cuts too. But the thing that happens is teachers take on a little more responsibility and a little more and a little more. And it becomes, you know, you lose a lot of teachers who just, totally. um, and it's not good for the kids, but yes, our um, elementary school in our neighborhood closed. They closed, I think, three elementaries that year. And so what, and where our, did the kids go? So they bust our kids um, to another school in another neighborhood. And it was just... <laughs> I still get teary when I think about it. Like your neighborhood school is kind of like a living, breathing entity. And the year before, we knew for two years it was going to close. There was a little, which made people jump ship out of our neighborhood like crazy too. Sure. Which was not good. I mean, it drives your property values down. Right. But yeah, we had a day that the year before we were going to merge that the kids got to go have lunch over at the other school and I just remember seeing the bus my son was on coming around the corner and just tears just and I'm not an emotional person and just it just hit me like it was just so sad because because the school is going to be so overcrowded um they built on classrooms but they didn't think about the the bathroom situation and then the cafeteria you know, you can't just add classrooms to a little school because now there's this tiny cafeteria meant for a little school and you've more than you doubled the school population. So like they had cafeteria tables going down the hallways. It was just then wow. it, it was so overcrowded that it was a it was a complete disaster. So then they redrew neighborhoods. So kids who had always gone to that to, it was called Brookridge, had to then be moved to a different school out of their name. You know, it's just, it was. Oh my gosh. <laughs> just so sad. And, you know, and they had to sell the land. The school was on like this great piece of property, you know, right in the heart of the neighborhood. And they had to sell the land that the school was sitting on. And so, yes. and not, you know, some of the districts didn't have to close schools, but it was just so hard, like, and it was just so, it was just like this, you could see it happening, and you knew it was affecting people that were going to vote, that were not going to vote for their own, you know, it's just so Self-interest, yeah. Yes, and, and then it's too late, and one of the horrible things that happened in Kansas is the moderate Republicans got bullied so badly that they either quit running or they changed parties so that in the last round of voting in Kansas just this past time 
some uh, pretty much all of the moderate Republicans were primaried out by the extreme school privatization people. So, I mean, that's where, I mean, I don't feel like we have as many of those kind of people here yet, but we have Senator yeah. Linehan and she is, could not be more a part of it. Yeah. And so um, let's talk about how did they do it in Kansas? Like what happened first and then what, you know, what kind of, um, so the first you thing said there was, I'm sorry, you said they wanted to get to zero pro, or yeah. zero income tax. Yeah. They was there a the march to zero? Was the there first any thing that other bills or anything in the legislature that hastened this? Um, well, in 2014, um, they did legalize tax vouchers in charter schools, I believe. I, I'd have to check my, the exact facts on I know in 2014, that was when there were some actual changes that affect, that directly affected school. Um, but yeah, the, the, the thing that started it all was that giant um, change in the tax structure where LLCs paid zero. So anyone can have an LLC. So of course they, you know, but I do remember that it was 330,000 people who were formally paying taxes were no longer paying income taxes. And um, some of the things that happened were that the state, which was run as a surplus state the way Nebraska had been in the, has been in the past, could no longer pay basic operating costs. So they started taking money from the state retirement fund and the roads fund just to pay basic operate uh, like monthly bills. <laughs> um, Kansas had like a really high credit rating with Moody and it dropped several, it dropped. Um, it was a disaster to the state economy for one thing. Yeah. And, oh, oh, go ahead. Well, it just, I think the only thing you can do is work really hard to explain to people what is happening and just because it, I think once it happens, there's like, um, Kansas has a new governor and, but so many millions of dollars have been lost. It'll take years. They may never recover from how badly, you know, how bad the budget was hit. And, you know, it's public schools are just so important to society, you know, to our, especially states like Kansas and Nebraska, you know, and we don't have revenue coming in from, tourism or oil or you know and, yeah and I I think what uh Senator Lemahan is doing they're they're seizing on the they're taking advantage of our need for property tax because schools were funded very differently in Kansas they didn't rely on property tax the way they do here it was like this it was it was equal across the state um it was different it was very different um, so, because I know our taxes did triple when we moved to Nebraska from what we were paying there. <laughs> so, but, um, you know, I think a change in the funding formula, because we rely so much on property tax and not very much on state. So, you know, there's things we could do, but I think the last time they had a, I don't know what I want to call it, the funding formula for schools, I think there was research and experts and it was done carefully so it's just scary because these, you know, they're going to change. Um, yeah, so, yeah, they're just messing with 
So if we bring in readers to, or listeners to what we're talking about now, um, so what Linehan has um, brought now is LB 364, mm-hmm. which is called the Opportunity Scholarships Act, but it's essentially a school voucher bill. Right. You know, they couch, couch it in different language. Yeah. It's also an education bill, but they instead routed it through the uh, revenue, revenue committee because they're more friendly to this idea than the education committee. So they're playing a game. And um, so this they're going about it differently than Kansas did. They're not trying mm-hmm. to get to zero taxes, mm-hmm. um, but that it is going to pull significant revenue from your public schools. Right. And I don't know when parents started being told, you know, that their, their school, their child is like, gets to shop around <laughs> or something, you know? Yeah. And, and, and when it didn't become this greater good or when it stopped it, being this greater good. Right. Well, that, that is, we all, you know, I teach in Millard and we like seriously do have a lot of choice within our, because we mm-hmm. have the Montessori program that parents can choose. And then when they get to high school, they can go to South with the early college or they can go to North with the mm-hmm. IB, you know, there are choices and that was That's one right. of the things that Senator Linehan was right in my face. Do you have school choice? And I said, yes, I do. And she said, no, you don't. And I said, <laughs> yes, I do. Mm-hmm. And so, and I said, I can send my child to private school. I can send my child to religious school. I can send him to public school. I could have him transferred into a different public school. I can yeah. homeschool him. I absolutely do have choice. And as far as scholarships, my my own husband went to um, Catholic high school and his family couldn't afford to, to and there, you know, the church helps or you, or there's a right, you know, yep. there's ways to help kids go to Catholic school if they don't have the money already. Plus, I just, it, to just simplify it, public schools should be public and private schools should be private. That's how I feel like tax dollars to should go to tax dollars should go to publicly funded <laughs> schools and only. it's so frustrating because we have we have like we're, the, we're in the top 10 public schools in the nation even though we're 49th or 50 in state aid for our public schools say that again because that's really important we're in the top 10 yep we're nationally ranked in the top 10 for our public schools and yet we <laughs> yes we are <laughs> i believe 49th or 50th for state funding to our public schools. And that's why our property taxes are so high. And that's exactly right. That's why your property tax is high because the state isn't kicking in their portion because it's partisan politics. And so let's dig a little deeper here. So this isn't the first time we've seen this happen in states or, you know, um, just because it's new to Nebraska. Um, First off, Linehan has tried pulling these things before. Um, And she's certainly not the first senator to try it. But we have seen that this is a slippery slope into other problems. Can you talk a little bit about that? How when you let like a voucher in the door, then kind of what other dominoes start to fall? Right. And that's, I mean, you said it perfectly. That's exactly what they try to do. They try to introduce legislation that people 
that either doesn't sound dangerous or 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 maybe it even sounds helpful. All they need is just a, a few, just an opening, and that's all they need. And um, I was watching the testimony um, on LB three sixty four, and I think it was Ian Curdle that said, "You know, mm -hmm. if you have, if you're going to offer tax vouchers, what's to stop a subpar school opening up and getting the nine thousand dollar tax voucher per child, but?" but only spending 2000, you know, get, teaching them on the cheap and pocketing the money. And another thing that would happen in Kansas and it would definitely happen here too, under this whole scenario is they pushed the online K through 12, the public school that's free online. Mm -hmm. But what would happen is that mostly attracted the kids that were struggling in, in school well, then they would sign up for the online school and they really struggled when they didn't have anybody to keep them on task or anything. And so they would ultimately drop out. Oh but my the, God, it's almost like we've seen this happening all pandemic all over the United States. <laughs> <laughs> right. So um, that's another thing. I knew they Stephanie, were Stephanie, you know a little bit about children <laughs> on Zoom getting off task. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I, yeah, yeah, so the $9,000 tax voucher that goes to the, online k-12 through school is already on the kid doesn't finish the stick with the pro he either goes back to school or just drops out or, or whatever happens mm -hmm. that money is already gone like mm -hmm. and so all that comes out of public the public schools and that's exactly like um they're they're gonna say that it's to help kids have better choice you know they're gonna make it sound benevolent but it comes down to the simple fact they want to slowly starve the public schools for funding so that ultimately they will fail. Then they mm -hmm. can swoop in with their for-profit privatized schools. AKA and, you know, charter schools. And charter things. schools. And, and I, you know, Governor Ricketts father owns a for-profit private school in Bellevue. Yep. You know, so and the Koch brothers, or the, well, one brother is no longer with us, but they're right there in the state below us in Wichita, just chomping at the bit for our legislation to change so they can move in with their that's right for profit schools. There is big money to be made when there you is. run a private school because for so many reasons, like you, they find ways around, even if they try to make laws to prevent these things. But it's it's been in every state it's done it it's not unique it's not new but um you know they'll limit who can enter the school they will kick kids out who are too hard and find a reason to kick them out when really it's maybe that they're they have a behavior disorder or an IEP of some kind and they're too hard to educate mm -hmm. educate when you're cutting corners and trying to save money or make money that's what they do they cut corners to save We're the money that should have been spent on your child so you think, you know, like Linehan wants you to think you get to take your tax dollars and move them where you want. Well, it doesn't mean you have any control over what happens to those dollars. They still just, can. Sorry. No, <laughs> just, because, just because you're offered a tax voucher doesn't mean that school that you want to go to is going to take your child. Mm -hmm. Worst case scenario, the public schools become a warehouse for the kids that nobody wants or that have disabilities that cost too much money for these other schools or yeah. um you know and I 
our public schools are so seeped in our our the way we are and our history that they I feel like they fight through it with the the loss and revenue so hard on teachers and so hard on kids and you lose programs and you know the, I I don't know how to get you know west r- rural schools are out in western there's not going to be charter schools going out to these tiny little towns or private schools so they're gonna their tax money is gonna go sending Omaha kids to their private school choice like none of it really makes sense and something that bothers me and I see it happening here too is that they will take especially children of color or just kids in an underserved area and prop you know say you know you're you know we're gonna have you go to these better schools and that's just so wrong if you want to help you don't tell a kid their neighborhood's not good enough and we have to bust you out you you the right thing to do would be to invest in their school and their neighborhood. And exactly. It's, exactly. It's just, That's so well put. Um, it's just so frustrating. The other thing <laughs> that's maddening because I get mad when, you know, Republicans steal labels that don't belong to them. <laughs> like Melody, our other host, she's always mad when they're like the, the ones who love America. And she's like, I love America. <laughs> you don't get to steal that, right? And I show it by making this place better. Um, and I don't like when they feel even like that they're fiscally responsible. It is not fiscally responsible to, to start going down the path of two parallel um, school programs that doesn't make any sense because you still have the building you still have the heaters you still have the desks you still have the teachers and like even though you know you can be an awesome teacher it's pretty hard you get to especially middle school and high school that you can't have a teacher who teaches the french and the pe and the social studies yeah well and earlier you said something about that private schools can really profit I I Mm -hmm. personally believe like prisons and schools should never be for profit a private school should be but uh, here I couldn't agree (laughs) more right but it's not even about that for them um Mm -hmm. it's more okay it's at least this is what I gathered from my years in Kansas but it's the ultimate goal is to have the public schools fail because public schools are 60, 65% of a state's budget. And that gets in the way of the things they want to do, like have zero income tax or so like children and teachers, like we're are just a byproduct of, you know, they, they don't really care about kids at all or giving you a choice or you know and then there is and some of that with the for-profit schools that the like that the Koch family started or the Ricketts family part of it's controlling what is being taught as well you know yes absolutely um I was just reading a okay I don't remember where I read it I thought it was ProPublica but I'm not sure reading an article about um really bad textbooks yeah that are really racist and really um 
an inaccurate portrait of the history of, say, the United States um, or the Americas and how those are used in a lot of charter schools. Yeah. A lot. Now, again, Linehan's not introducing charter schools, but this is the way the dominoes. Yes, and that's purposeful what they're doing. Like, you know, they have to change this bit of legislation first and then, you know. And okay, so this wonder school that's in Wichita that they want to expand into Nebraska. Okay, so Mm -hmm. like, I don't know a lot about it, but for instance, an instructor, which would probably not have a teaching degree, someone from the community of some sort, would Wait, what? Te- would teach a class, <laughs> teaches a class. You wouldn't have to be school. a certified teacher? I don't think so. I don't know. Yeah. Somebody, well, though, I, teaches an yeah. auditorium. So we're talking like 200 kids in an auditorium for a class. Like they'll teach it, teach a class that way. And then another scary thing is that some of these for-profit schools will look very innovative from the outside because they'll bring in some fancy schmancy stuff and it'll be really appealing to some people, which is why Catholic schools and Lutheran schools and religious-based schools should be just as worried as anybody because these schools come in and look pretty futuristic and awesome, some of them. So you're going to lose enrollment to these schools that come in and you might in the short term maybe you would benefit from the tax vouchers but once these coke family schools and ricket family schools roll in with you know the i need to look more into i need to research more about that school in wichita but yeah but i mean that's on trend with everything we know nationally yeah right charter schools um they'll close they'll close overnight Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm and, and then the families are left with nowhere to go except back to their completely underfunded mm-hmm. neighborhoods, absolutely school, whatever's left, and um, they they'll walk away with millions of dollars. And yeah. they've been rife with cheating scandals. Um, they do not they do not perform better on common assessments than our regular public schools. Mm-hmm. And, and so. The best teachers are not going to, like, morally, Mm. (laughs) I don't know, I can hardly think of a teacher that would want to teach. In fact, a lot of the best teachers don't even teach at Catholic school because the pay is so much lower. Not that that our Catholic schools are wonderful. I was once offered a job at a Catholic school, (laughs) and I was like, I cannot take this job. I make more subbing. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. You know, most a lot of people that end up teaching at a Catholic school are just Catholic, and they want to. You know, they just mm-hmm. love it there, and they're definitely making less money. Yeah, and I think and there are a lot of these places. Off- oh, I'm sorry. A lot of these places you can't. You also can't um, unionize. Yeah, it'll be banned. And so then, what kind of conditions are those? And you know, it's not just for the teacher. Like teachers know that what's good for kids is good for everyone and right. so like we talk about like class size it's not like oh I'm mad because my class is big I can't <laughs> teach your child the way your child needs when there's 32 bodies in here <laughs> can't do it Absolutely. um I know Stephanie you have a great relationship with your local neighborhood school mm-hmm. you're like walking distance um That's- 
four blocks away and it's fantastic. I've noticed just like Laura, you were saying about the right thing to do is to invest in those schools. I don't know other districts, but um, I see LPS trying to do that. Of course, mm-hmm. we have another budget for shortfall, but um, a lot of those like Title I schools, which if listeners don't know, that's where um, they have a high percentage of free and reduced lunch students, um, high poverty, and they do are able to pour more money into those schools and they get, I, I have not um, worked at enough. <laughs> All the schools I worked at, a lot of them were like, just make just enough to be broke families, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, like me. Um, <laughs> they weren't actually high poverty necessarily. They were like kind of on the edge, not quite mm-hmm. high enough. And so they didn't get Title I funding, but, um, but that's federal money. If the yeah. state would invest in those schools, it would be amazing because the, like um, my daughter went for a while to a Title I school and they could offer summer library because that they could pay someone to staff it. They could offer, they had like a wraparound summer program where like if she did these activities and read these things then she got like smoothie party when she got back to school, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty, and lots of family oriented activities that they could pay for um, for the families and so, and meals. And so, um, I, I mean, there's really no limit to what we could do. Um, right. we, you know, we are, we have amazing schools and amazing educators to be in the top 10 Yeah. while at the and bottom I, of funding. <laughs> I, I liked the point you made too. If we're already struggling, how in the world can we fund two or multiple sets of buildings and school? Like, why wouldn't, yeah. Our private schools are great, as is, you know. Mm-hmm. They have the money from their, you know, parishioners and their and people donate to Catholic school. And from what I gather, the Catholic schools are supportive of Linehan's measures, but I just, I feel like they probably don't understand what they're actually getting into. And if you get public tax money, shouldn't you have to educate every single child that walks through the door? Do they really want to do that? They should, but... You know, it's not what they well, want. Truly, a lot of times it comes down to, I attended a Catholic school briefly in Des Moines when I was growing up because my dad worked there, not as a teacher. And so we could go for free. Otherwise, we couldn't have afforded it. But I can only think of one special needs student in that entire school. Yeah. And she had like a vision disability. And they didn't have special equipment for her. And I'd, she didn't go there that long because at some point she needed more than they could offer. Well, they usually the <clears throat> Catholic schools will have to contract with the public school to provide those services. Yep. But so um, of course yeah. that was ages ago. But <laughs> yes, nowadays yeah. that's how it works. If you choose to go somewhere else, the public school comes in and provides that. And mm-hmm. of course, where is that money? <laughs> yeah. And where is that staffing? And, and that's not every day, right? Like in reality, a high needs kiddo would have a very difficult time outside of a public school because mm-hmm. that teacher is not going to, that special ed teacher, that resource teacher, whatever, is not going to come to that school every single day. That's not yeah. how it works. It's not yeah. possible. <laughs> there, aren't enough, there aren't enough trained special education 
teachers for that. Right. And so then it becomes like, well, you get so many hours a month and then maybe it's, you know, an hour a week or two hours a week or whatever. And it's not, yeah, it just doesn't work for everybody. Um, I had a fascinating, I'm just, I'll throw this in the show notes, but I listened to, have any of you listened to the pod, um, Nice White Parents? It was a series from the New York Times. I've listened to a few episodes. I've read about it. Oh, man. I I know what you're talking about. (laughs) That was, so, I mean, it's really talking about how white parents have control of the school system and Mm -hmm. they, school systems, and this was all focused on New York. Um, but how the school system jumps for the white parents and basically nothing ever works in the favor of anyone else. But that was one huge part of what I got out of listening to that. But another huge part was, holy crap, the school systems in this country, some of them are really effed up. (laughs) And that's what I like about your perspective, Laura, because a lot of times we've all lived here. We've all grown up here. We didn't go to San Diego and Kansas Mm -hmm. or New York. And so we don't realize like what it is like in other places. They talk about these are public schools, but they'll have different programs within a same building, like third floor is its own school. And you have to, you have to apply to get in Mm -hmm. and you can get kicked out and then like the turnover of staff is all the time where like by like year three the French language school that they used in there that they were talking about you know at the beginning of this pod was no no one even they didn't even teach French anymore and it was called like the French language school or something Um, it's just ridiculous French immersion schools are well there's one in Kansas so in Kansas City Missouri the schools are unac- bad and unaccre- they're unaccredited and for so many different reasons. Mm. And so they have charter, some charter schools and there's a successful one. It's French immersion, but that, you know, that's the French immersion <laughs> schools is one, but again, it's a lottery, like not every kid obviously gets to go. They can only take so many. And, and again, rather than, you know, if you could just invest in those, public schools and make class sizes smaller and then the public schools would be struggling as bad as they are and right but like Kansas was just like Nebraska with amazing public schools it's why we moved there and it didn't take long you know and everything's riding on the back of tradition and awesome teachers Mm -hmm. teachers take it take it all on and keep the school the education amazing until they can't anymore until they just burn out or break down or they t- can't take it anymore they move to Nebraska <laughs> or they run out of money like <laughs> or yeah well or yeah so it's it, it's devastating to the state of college. like if you just took if you if you don't care about schools you don't care about kids you don't care about anything that has to do with education it's still hurts you it it completely destroyed the economy in kansas this whole thing so um laura grocery laura could you talk to us a little bit about the current status of the the latest version of the bill that we're looking at here in nebraska and what you know about it 
you know, I kind of lost track. I know that I do know that um, there were 77 letters of opposition and only like 12 proponent letters. And I think the testimony went well. And I don't think that it's out of committee or anything yet. But I don't exactly know. I think there's so many bills right now being um, introduced that maybe we'll look out and it won't make it out of committee. But so it hasn't been voted on yet, right? I don't. I don't think so. But I can't. can't I'm looking here. It doesn't look like it to me. I don't think so. And Um, they will never stop. They it'll come back, come back because obviously she's had variations of the same. But it will never stop until, you know. She's either yeah. but they'll just keep coming back, coming back, coming back, and it's a lot of money. So the only thing we can do is, you know, inform people. Right? And even then, it's so hard. It's just so scary and heartbreaking. And yeah, I have seen so, you working really hard. So um, <laughs> I, I'm serious. I've seen you Thank online. You. Um, uh Laura and I are Facebook friends and in some groups together and I've met, met, never met Laura until tonight <laughs> I feel like I know you <laughs> I know I, I feel like we have a lot in common but um what can people do to end our our chat here what can people do are there groups they can follow are there people they should be writing to I, you know, Stand for Schools is a nonprofit group that works really hard to keep people updated on legislation that affects schools. So I definitely recommend following, following them. And um, I do think it makes that talking to your representatives, calling them. Keeping in contact with your representative, let them know you support the public schools. <laughs> and even if you think you have a representative that there's no way you can change their mind, I still think people need to let their representatives know where they stand on this issue because then they can't go and say, well, nobody complained, nobody opposed, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I do think, okay, so... <laughs> I think the thing that could help more than anything, and that was very effective, as bad as things are in Kansas, it could have been worse. The two big school districts in like the Kansas City area on the Kansas side are Shawnee Mission and Blue Valley. And in Blue Valley school districts, some professional parents, like a doctor and a lawyer, you know, some parents that had connections and knowledgeable some were republicans some were democrats some were independents purposely so um just started a page not a group like they're like a public entity um and they uh vet candidates and then they um give endorsements and if both the republican and the democratic candidate are education friendly they'll they'll endorse both um, so it's very nonpartisan, but they, you know, they developed, um, they have a lot of respect from the community, but they focused on their one school district. Well, that went so well then in Shawnee Mission, there's one called Education First Shawnee Mission. It's the same concept. I mean, it, they put in a lot of work and they're, you know, they put up, some, you know, they have during election time, they raise money and they put up signs but I feel like 
the reason I can tell my story is because I lived it in another state and I see it, the exact same thing happening here. Um, even my school district people told me that there was really no way I could not not tell my story because it was too <laughs> relevant. Relevant. That the reason I talked to them is because Senator Linehan's daughter called them and tried to get me in trouble, but that's a whole other story. With <laughs> but, your employer? Oh my God. Yeah. She called oh, me yeah. public You school. haven't <laughs> mentioned this yet, but um, Senator Linehan's daughter works for the right, private so, school movement. <laughs> and I cannot tell you how sick I felt when I found that out because that was one of the, it was after I'd gone to the town hall and that's a disgusting conflict of interest. It's just yeah. horrible. She's working for her to for her daughter's pursuits. And some of these people probably believe charter schools or you know maybe they believe some of what they're saying because they're so immersed into it at this point but absolutely not working for Nebraska they're working for these out-of-state people that want our legislation changed so they can swoop in with their for-profit schools and like I I said it before ultimately their their strategy is to slowly defund public schools so maybe we don't really notice what's happening and then when they're in such big trouble because they don't they're so well in Kansas the schools are actually unconstitutionally underfunded it's so bad that's so that's the first time I've heard of that actually yeah sad um so so I think what coming forward we need to watch and see does it get out of committee it's a pretty friendly committee for this bill so I wouldn't be surprised if it got out Yep. And then if it gets out, watch debate on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's worrisome because Very. we have a lot of um, Republicans um, and a lot of good people we lost and a lot of races we didn't get that we really mm-hmm. wish we had got. And mm-hmm. it also we also should watch and see if Linehan makes their priority bill again, which she has done with a similar bill in the past. Mm-hmm. But thank you guess- so much. One last thing, I, just to finish, I think parents have to, because I'm a teacher, so obviously I don't want to, so I think the best thing that could happen is for some parent groups to to mobilize, because yeah. people will listen to parents, and yeah. I am a parent, but I don't really count because I'm a teacher, you know, it's not the same. Right. Um, thank you for coming on. Thank you for continuing to be the canary in the coal mine who hollers <laughs> yes please <laughs> thank you guys thank I you appreciate for, it. Thanks thanks for all your work story. thank you so much bye-bye bye <laughs> you've been listening to seeing red nebraska politics from the left seeing red is a group blog edited by citizen volunteers and entirely devoted to nebraska politics you can support us on patreon with a five ten or twenty dollar a month mm-hmm. donation be sure to check us out at seeingrednebraska.com and on Facebook and Instagram. You can also follow us on Twitter at seeingredne or contact us via email at seeingredne@protonmail.com. at protonmail.com.